0: The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by Orlando Homes Express, brokered by EXP Realty, proudly serving Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties. Call 407 790 9957 or visit WeSellOrlando.net. Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast with Eric Lopez and a groggy Brian Murphy. I am Jeff Sharon. We, uh, we're still all recovering from one of the busiest Wednesdays ever in, I don't know, such as the spring equinox when you're talking about the, the spring sports equinox when you're talking about UCF with basketball getting the win in South Florida, baseball getting the win up in Gainesville. We got national awards for women's basketball. We got women's tennis beating Florida. We got all kinds of stuff to talk about in this show. Um. I'll start with you, Murph. Are you? Uh, how you feeling? Do we? Do did, did you? Did you have your coffee Back also. In
1: Tampa. See the podcast can't pick up me just slamming coffee into my gullet all morning long. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you that part of an audio feed. I don't know how you do it. I mean, like, The game was it's the, not. It's not that hard, Jeff. You go to you know you work. No, not
0: I, I I well I get that. Like I used to do that, but now like well I have a totally different situation with like these two kids that right. actually occasionally keep me up at night. But um uh, Lopez, you actually had a busy weekend yourself with all these softball games that you've been doing.
2: That's right. Back on the saddle again, as Errol Smith would say, and uh, not <laughs> a bad way to uh Calling a no hitter right the first game right back, you know, get the kinks.
0: Geez. No hitter, two power six walk offs. Like, did, did, uh, did Coach Barrett go up to you and be like, hey, listen, you're my good luck charm now, okay?
2: Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's, <laughs> something, to, yeah, there's something to that extent. Yeah. Sure. We'll just leave it at that. I mean, they're play, the players are playing well, but, uh, yeah, it was a much, much, much yes, fun, fun weekend to say the least. It was uh, it was good to be back and watch some good games and uh, part of a busy, busy time. I can yeah. imagine lots going on.
0: Yeah, we got a lot going on. We're gonna dive right into it here. We are we are blackandgoldbanneret.com, com. nation's home for UCF Sports. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore banneret. You can follow us each individually at Jeff Underscore Sharon, Eric Lopez Elo, and spokes underscore Murphy, uh don't forget uh, Facebook.com slash black and gold banner as well. We're gonna start with men's basketball. And uh last night uh about as big a win as you can as you can get if you're playing uh you know a, a late season rivalry game with South Florida, the Knights uh pulled away to take the win 75-63 at the, I'm always used to calling it the Sundome, but now it's called the Yingling Center, apparently. All right, yeah, whatever.
2: Yingling doesn't pay us to call it that, so I'm, I think you're you're okay calling it the Sundome. I mean, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Until Yingling sponsors us, hey, I refuse to call it that. All
0: right, Sundome it is. Um, <laughs> the
1: uh,
2: Way uh, ba- to abandon that journalistic integrity there. Right. there. <laughs> 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 listen, um, Al Michaels does the same thing. He doesn't refer to the football stadiums by the sponsor names. Well,
0: I don't know. It's did you I, just does? did you just compare Jeff Sharon? To did Al you just yeah? Did that's you just right, drop out right, Michael's on me? Wow! <laughs> All right, uh, it, four four nights in double figures. Taco fall with who's uh, boy? He's it's, some somebody lit a fire under him the last few games. Eighteen points, uh, five rebounds for Taco to lead the Knights, including six of eight from the line. Is that even possible? Like uh, mm-hmm. let's see, fifteen for B.J. Taylor on four of ten. Uh, Aubrey Dawkins chipped in with 14 and seven rebounds on five of nine from the field. 12 points for Dayon Griffin off the bench as the Knights shot 55 percent from the field and uh, held USF to 45 percent and route to the W uh, in Tampa. That's now eight in a row for UCF over the Bulls. Uh, they they haven't they haven't lost to South Florida in four years. I mean this is. Uh, uh, this is key now that's the good news the bad news is Brian Murphy oh uh-huh. uh-huh so UCF came into that game 34th in the net now Lope, I can literally hear Lopez rolling his eyes at this uh UCF came into the uh, game 34th in the net uh they're now 21 and six four and four on the road now they move up in the latest net rankings I'm checking I'm looking at the latest team sheet right now from mm-hmm. NCAA.org. Uh-huh.
1: Hot Moved up the press, listen, hot listen, off the
0: Moved up three spots to 31. However, the loss by South Florida at home dropped yep. them from a quadrant one team for UCF to a quadrant two team. They actually fell oh, out man. of yeah I know they actually fell out of the net top 75. They're now 82nd. So what it's we a
2: conspiracy th- the committee's involved. So,
0: oh, so what we thought was a quadrant one win is not any longer a quadrant right. 1 win and UCF still remains 0 for 3 in their quadrant 1 games with 3 of them allegedly coming up uh, in their final 3 games. Uh, uh how quickly should I are you going to tell me to put away that panic button? Wait, are you panicking? Well, I, I'm really? well, I I mean, I'm not panicking. But No. That comment no, I mean they 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 think No, they, I know. You know. We had we had
1: to guess like what well, what this you know if UCF won what was this going to do to to USF's net ranking because they were on the you know they were on the edge between quad one and quad two you got to be in the top seventy five yeah. for a road game I think they were right uh, at seventy five if not they were, they were like 74. they were at seventy so. they were at 72, oh seventy two you're right okay what's inter- what's interesting is like so on Saturday they they were at seventy six then they lost to Houston by twelve and they moved up to seventy two. Um, so I'm not exactly sure what goes all into this, and I'm not sure why they dropped, uh, you know, you know what, uh, ten like ten spots uh, after losing a game which they were under home underdogs anyway. Um, I will say this: if you want to worry about getting that quad one win back, uh, USF has three pretty winnable games remaining with at UConn without Jalen Adams, uh, Tulane. Who you could play them on Mars and beat them by thirty, mm. and SMU SMU <laughs> at home. So if if, SM, if if USF wins each of those three games, I think they can. Uh, then they probably move back up to the top 20, top seventy five. We'll see. Um, the fact is, it's it's still a pretty qual- It's a quality win. I think it's their seventh. At least they're seventh in the quad quad two. I think they're seven and two in the quadrant two. Um, I, I don't I don't I don't think it changes the equation for UCF uh, in these last three games anyway. We said going in that UCF, if they want to feel pretty good going into the conference tournament, they probably need to go three and one in these final four. Uh, and now they need to go two and one. And And if they, if they win two out of the next three, uh, I think the goal is attained. Uh, nothing really changes.
0: Yeah. I think that what really, I mean, everyone's going to talk about this next game coming up. We're going to talk about the schedule right now with, you know, their last three games are uh, against net four at Houston. That's on, Uh, That's going to be on Saturday. College game day is going to be at Houston for that game, so it's going to be big. By the way, I I forget what the answer was on this, but hey, how about UCF being a a part of two college game days, one football, one basketball this year? Um, Obviously, this basketball one's on the road, so we're not hosting for that, but um, nonetheless, that's big. Uh, Home for Cincinnati, which you get the chance to avenge that, that earlier loss this year at Cincinnati, which was a tight game. Uh, it, you tend to think that if it, if that holds served, UCF might have a pretty good chance of that one. And then I really do think that this Temple game, yeah. You know, if we're talking, if it's if the committee is going to be more subjective than objective, I think they really are going to look very hard at that Temple game with Temple at yeah. fifty-seven. And c- because everything that I look at on bracket matrix or whatever, you know, UCF and Temple are basically neck and neck. Uh, I think that the, the consensus is starting to form right now that we might have three teams from the American and it would be maybe Houston four. maybe four I think there should be four but yeah Houston and Cincinnati are pretty much locks and I'm a little worried that they're kind of looking at UCF and Temple and saying okay you know whichever team has the upper hand there is the team that we're going to take and if UCF and Temple meet each other in the conference tournament for a third time all the better, because then it'll be more or less a rubber match. But I don't know. What do you think I, about that evaluation?
1: Well, it's, it's a good one. I mean, yeah, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but that Temple game could could serve as a double whammy to the loser, <clears throat> because if things play out the way I think they will, uh, the loser of that game, UCF Temple, probably ends up as the four seed in the conference tournament, with Memphis most likely being the five seed And uh, that means you would get a second round matchup with Memphis uh, in their home building as a neutral court game, quote unquote, uh, in the conference tournament. So really, and and, you know, Memphis is just, it's so hard to beat in that building. So it's a double whammy. Not only do you need to win to show that you're better than them, but you want to stay away from Memphis' side of the bracket in the conference tournament.
0: Are they they actually counting those games as neutral site games? They
1: are neutral site wins. I asked somebody from the conference this week about that. (laughs) Uh, and they are neutral site wins because the conference tournament is hosted by the conference, not by the team.
0: Yeah. Right. Wait, wait.
2: That's how that works. No, that's how that, he's right about that. Uh, we're getting ahead of ourselves with the Temple game yes. because I think yes. the way this team is playing the last couple games here, and the way Taco Fall in particular is playing, I think it's going to be. It's not going to matter because I think UCF is going to win either at Houston or beat Cincinnati if they play like they have the last couple of games, and that's going to get them in the tournament. I'm that. I'm that confident that I'm already learning the lyrics. To one shining moment That's oh, boy. Oh, um, oh
0: boy oh god oh boy don't look, let coach is, dawkins hear this please
2: no no look this is the thing though jeff you've talked about when is this team played up to its potential boy we saw that up close murph and i did uh against smu on sunday where they absolutely oblivated, destroyed smu just absolutely crushed them and then in the second it's a good half,
0: sat word you know, oblivion Anyway, go ahead. Thank you. No, it's not working.
2: Uh, and then the USF came <laughs> in front of a great atmosphere, which Murph was there. Uh, USF you knew they circled this game after UCF crushed them up in uh, UCF earlier in the year. And UCF took their punch, and then in the second half, took over the game um, and really put it out of reach pretty quickly. I mean, they, they're playing at a good level, and it starts with Taco Fall. We've talked so much about Aubrey and BJ, and as they go, I mean, Taco Fall in the last month. I think he's played his is the best basketball of his career. He has raised his game offensively. He's starting to make free throws, and I think Murph and I talked about this at the SMU game. I think Murph, don't you? Since he's starting to make his free throws at a more cause decent pace, I think it's given him overall confidence to be more aggressive offensively, and I think it's paying off for UCF.
1: Yeah, and, and you know they want to go to him right away. He, he, I mean, you look at their like their first five possessions of every game. He's gonna get like three to four touches because they they want to assert him right away, and he's being more assertive. Uh, he's he's moving more when he catches the ball in the paint. It's not just dunks anymore. He's making moves around left and right shoulders. He had a couple of like baby hook shots yesterday that were like, wow. Why? I mean, I know they're only like six seven feet out from the basket, but like for Taco, that's a big expansion of his offensive skill set. Um, you talked about the free throw shooting. He's about 50% uh, in his last, I think, seven games. Mm-hmm. Uh, he came, you know, he came in shooting like 29%. So it's a big improvement. And I will say this: he did, he did tell us yesterday, and um, after the game, he's dealing with a, a bit of a thumb injury. It, it's at least a sprain. Uh, so it's pretty amazing that he's doing this, hitting six of eight free throws, while also saying yesterday that he actually felt uncomfortable at the line with his release point. And because of the thumb injury, and yet everything is going in for him right now. Everything is just everything is working right now. And Johnny Dawkins, after the game, basically said, "When he's playing like this, he's the best big in college basketball." Um, and that's that's probably true. He's not as versatile as like a Rui Hachimura on Gonzaga, but he's just so big and so imposing defensively and offensively. If you get if he gets you get deep in the post, it's an easy basket for him now. And defensively, he just he just deflects and. and uh, wipes away so many shots at the rim which which allows UCF's defense to be more aggressive on the perimeter.
0: Our friend Mike O'Donnell was doing the uh, analysis of the game uh, last night against South Florida and mentioned that, you know, he's always at his best when UCF gets gets him the ball and he keeps the ball above his shoulders because the defenders yes. doesn't matter how tall they are, they just can't they just can't get to the ball. And you know and I think the key for him is going to be, you know, does he is he able to handle the ball cleanly in the low post? And I think that for me, like fundamentally wise, has been uh, the thing that I've seen him do really well as UCF has, yeah. you know, as they've won five of the last seven uh, in six of these seven games, he scored double figures. And the only one that he scored single figures in was uh, was at Cincinnati game where actually he played the most minutes, but uh, only attempted three shots, made all three of them. But that 23-20 game that he put up against SMU was a masterpiece. And uh, yeah. I think it was the first. Uh, I think it was the first 2020 game for UCF uh, men's basketball. I think in almost 17, 18 Since years. Is that
2: 2001, right? Since, right? 2001. 2001. I think Paul Reed right? Yeah, Paul I Reed. Don't
0: know, I, I don't know who Paul
1: Reed is, so you're gonna have to. Maybe I do. I know who Paul about. Reed
0: is. He was really good. I
1: know that Paul Reed. Re,
0: really good. Uh, yeah. A really good power forward in the A Sundays. I mean, really, uh, you know, just kind of an un, one of those. Unsung kind of hero, guys. He came, he was a vet when the Graham brothers were here, as they were when they were younger. Mm. Uh, and uh, yes. and Paul was Paul was a good ball player here at UCF for a while. Actually, you look at the rebounding numbers; he was always a, a underrated rebounder. But you know, as we look ahead now, college game day on Saturday. I yeah I, yeah I know we're getting ahead of ourselves but
2: oh is it any coincidence that ESPN College Game Day decided to go to Houston right after they everybody figured out that Brian Murphy was going to Houston <laughs> I, I think not <laughs> I think Murph was a big part of this thank you Murphy. thank you thank you thank for you. helping get Game Day to Houston
0: well You're I welcome well let me well we'll wrap up the uh, well uh actually no I do to I did want to get uh a couple things in here real quick because we do have. Uh, some sound from uh, Eric, you got it from Coach Dawkins, is that right?
2: Coach Dawkins and B.J. Taylor talking about the significance <sighs> of college <sighs> game me. day in, in Houston uh, following the win against the USF where the media like Brian Murphy and none of the others were uh, drilling them with questions and among them were the uh, college game day and going to Houston and jo- Coach Dawkins and B.J. Taylor uh, talked about it.
3: I think it's great for our conference. I mean, I look at our conference with, you know, the South Florida Memphis, you know, teams like that, you know, teams Temple, Cincinnati, Houston, ourselves. I mean, I think this conference, man, you're talking about postseason and, and things like that as this conference continues to go down the stretch. I think, you know, all those teams are viable teams for postseason, in my opinion. I thought at the beginning of the year, I thought we could have that many teams in, and I still believe that. I think these teams are playing really good basketball, and, and all these teams are playing really good basketball when it counts the most, which is down the stretch. It's extremely exciting, a uh, great opportunity, not just for, to, for us, for the basketball team, but, you know, more exposure for the school, you know, just like football team had when, when they had college game day, you know, not a basketball team, you gonna be involved in a college game day game. I mean, it's, it's huge exposure for not only our team, you know, moving towards March Madness, but you know, just for UCF and you know, building more pride in the school.
0: Yeah, sorry about that. I, I sorry about that. I sneezed right before we actually started There's playing. You're to
2: sneeze out when you got game day. Oh, look at it! All right, look at this segue. Look at this segue from He's, Lopez.
1: Look at, look at, look at. Elo breaking ankles with turning with his turn of phrase oh, amazing
2: uh, thank you Murph your react what's been the talk this week uh, you've talked to people in the UCF front I mean obviously Houston's hosting game day so a majority of the show is probably going to focus on Houston but I mean this is a big opportunity for UCF they're going to be on ESPN at four o'clock Jay Billis is going to call the game Jay Billis played with Johnny Dawkins I am sure that's going to be talked about a lot I'm sure Taco's going to be featured if not on the pregame show, certainly all during the game. What's been the chatter around UCF as far as game day in Houston and this big opportunity here with an opportunity to really make a statement that they're an NCAA tournament team?
1: Yeah, I know. They, they know it's a big stage, and uh, I think Taco just said out out, out front last night, he, we asked him, you know, what's going to be different this time around, and he goes, we're a better team, and that's, that's probably true. Uh, you know, since that Houston game, they've won five of five of six, and the only loss they had was that really narrow – you know, could have, should a game against Cincinnati? Yeah, uh, I think this—they are a better team since that Houston loss uh, earlier this month. I, I, and really, uh, the one thing that Coach Dawkins talked about last night was just—you can't—we got to come out with you know, not so tight, not so overwhelmed by the opponents, and so anxious to make a statement. You just go out there and play basketball and that's what you know in, in the first game of the in, in, in the game they had here in Orlando uh they admittedly came out very tight they fell behind by double digits early on and never really recovered they made that late run that was really all for naught um so really it's just like settled down there it's going to be raucous Houston with his with its nation leading 33 game home winning streak uh you know the opponent is big the stage is big It's national spotlight it's a top 10 team but I mean, just it's a 40 minute game. It's a long way. We got a long way to go and just play minute to minute. Um, I, I think that's that's going to be what's really preached uh, before they uh, head in to this game. I,
0: I, I'm so glad you made that point to um, Brian, because, yeah, you're right. It looked like it, it's looked like through uh, all the way up until the last couple weeks. They've been playing as though they've been trying to live up to that preseason, you know, American champion label. And yeah. if they finally just kind of let the game come to them, and they and they're playing their best basketball right now, and yet I still don't think like this team has actually played, uh, like put together a game that was basically their perfect game for the year just yet. Wait, 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 wait! wait wow, 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 wait! A I, <laughs> I'm, no, I'm serious. I, I still, I still think what, that their best basketball. The Fifty point win, What's, not good
1: enough. I, I mean, did you no, want? Did you want them to beat SMU by seventy?
0: I. Well, of course, why not? But no, I actually think that their best basketball is ahead of them. They seem to be getting. I thought that they even played an even better game against South Florida than they did against SMU. I thought that I thought that game was actually just as much of an indictment of SMU right now as it was, um, as it was for SMU you know a boon Cincinnati for UCF. Uh,
2: SMU played Cincinnati to the buzzer on Wednesday. I I
0: don't know. I yeah. call me crazy. Well, I still be, think we got I, we might see something special on Saturday against Houston. Call me crazy. To I think be fair,
1: to be fair, Cincinnati shot 26% last night against SMU. Like right. they wanted SMU to win that game and didn't. I will say two things. Uh, Jeffrey, Jeffrey, you like predictive predictive measurements that really don't say anything but say something uh, a little bit.
0: Very uh, much so. Go for
1: it. Hit but, me. Uh, if, you, if you look at uh, Ken Palm, Ken Pomeroy's site, kenpom.com or Bart Torvik's site, uh, uh, com. these are uh, – big analytical predictive non-predictive measurements for college basketball they each provide uh a projected score for each upcoming game for every team in college basketball Mm -hmm. the projected score on Torvik is Houston 69-62 and the projected score for Ken Palm is I believe the same I think it's I think it's minus seven as well I'm trying to find it and I've just lost it but anyway so if if you want to like guess that, you know, I I think if UCF even lose this game by like a bucket or two, that's a success.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, absolutely, especially with the coverage, the exposure. And this is going to be fascinating. This is why I do think game day is significant, because the narrative is going to be interesting. I think Jay Billis yeah. is going to be pro-UCF. I think they're going to, and I think if you hear Jay Billis throughout the day, hey, this is one of the best teams in the country. They're an NCAA tournament. We saw Brian Gregory, the USF head coach, say when they asked him about it, he's like, not only do I not uh, do I do I not think they're a tournament team. I think they're a second weekend team. There are a lot of people that like this team. John Rothstein of of a uh, CBS Sports Network and now SI thinks this is a second weekend team. And I think if ESPN with Billis, who is as influential of a person as there is in college basketball, or Jay Williams or Seth Greenberg, if they pump UCF up for eight hours, I do think that matters. I do think that matters. I think the committee could be influenced that way. And I do think this is an NCAA tournament team now. They do have to prove it. Yep. I do I yep. think they got to win one of these next three games. I'm going to go the, I think they got to hit 333 on the batting average. Or if they can go two games, I think they're in. One game I think puts them in great shape, especially if they could sweep tempo and kind of separate themselves. But I think they can beat Cincinnati and I do think if they play the if they don't get off to a bad start like they did in the first meeting, I think they can give Houston a good game. Tempo is going to be a big factor in this game as you know, Murph. Houston wants to go up and down the court. UCF can't get into a track meet with Houston. They won't win that game. They've got to play this half court.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I mean, Houston's not – Houston really isn't, like, a really high, fast-paced team. They're not Memphis. They're not UConn. Uh, what they do really well is they smother you on the glass. Uh, they're really athletic. They play small. I mean, they're, they're tall as players, like six eight. They're just really athletic. They can guard all positions, and they shoot the three – Uh, among the best in the country I mean you've got to guard the perimeter with them because they've got shooters all over the place um so and then that's how they do it they they spread you out on the perimeter and then they push you away from the basket and then they just get offensive rebounds because you're guarding the perimeter um so that's that's how they win and I think it's it's really dependent upon UCF just coming in with composure and like not like really like uh, like intangible stuff like composure and poise and you know all the seniors that are on this team like don't be overwhelmed by the moment. You go in there, and let's say Houston kind of smacks you in the mouth for the first 10 minutes. Like, all right, you pick yourself up and you respond. I mean, I, I, that's something this team did not do uh, here in Orlando. And I think they've learned from that. And certainly they've played so much better since that game.
0: Yeah, Saturday, 4 p.m. at the Fertitta Center in Houston on ESPN. Um, yeah, this game is. Game day, 11 a.m. Eastern. Game day, 11 a.m. Eastern. This is, this is the game of the year in the regular season in the Americans. So. It's great, um, great if, for
2: the league, by the way. Great for the league. Yes, it is. I mean, I
0: mean they, Houston is playing Cincinnati
1: in Cincinnati in the last weekend of the year, but okay.
2: Come on, nah, man. Don't, don't, on. don't you don't – They don't have game day. You're not going to be game there. Day. That doesn't count. I
1: won't be there. Don't,
0: don't, don't you rain on my parade. Um, so, yeah, that's <laughs> – so that's worth so. – Shout
2: out to Dan Forcella, by the way, who's helped out with game day with UCF standpoint and football will be obviously in basketball. A big, big shout out to him. Exciting for yeah. him as uh, – yeah. Help out, give out some UCF story ideas. I'm sure to game day and stuff,
0: and a chance for Houston for UCF rather to hand Houston their second loss of the year. They're 27 and one, 14 and one in the lead. Their lone loss, of course, at Temple. UCF at 21 and six, not lost at
1: home in like two years.
0: Yeah, just an amazing job by Kelvin Sampson, um, resurrecting that program after it was looking really bad for a while. Um, Houston's back, and uh, they're the class of the league right now. So this should be a big Saturday. And a big opportunity for UCF. Speaking of big opportunities uh, for UCF, you, UCF fan, have a big opportunity to catch UCF women's basketball for the final time this season uh, on Saturday. It is Senior Day, 2 p.m., right before uh, the men's game. You can watch game day, head on down to the dungeon, catch the women's team on Senior Day against Lane, and then get back home in time to watch the game against Houston. Uh, this is a big. This was a big week for UCF women's basketball. Not only do they get two big conference wins at Wichita State and home uh, against Temple in the wake of the loss against UConn. Um, right now, UCF is twenty-two and five, eleven and three in the American. And KK Wright uh, has been named was named this past week the National Player of the Week by the UCF. Ba- uh, excuse me, by the US basketball writers association uh, she's the first night ever to be named national player of the week by the usbwa uh, in those two games against wichita she was uh nine of 19 for 21 points and six rebounds and then she follows it up against temple by getting 24 on 11 to 20 seven rebounds and four assists and she scored her 1000th career point she's the 19th ucf player to uh reach the 1000 career point mark Um, and she's just a junior. She may have a chance to get well into Mm -hmm. the top five by the time her career uh, is over. Right now, she leads UCF at 18.3 points per game. Uh, Her splits right now are just out of this world. 44-34-82. Leads the team in assists and steals. Um, She's just been, to quote Reggie Jackson, the straw that's been stirring the drink. And um, a tremendous honor for KK, and congratulations on behalf of us to her, but... You know, let's pause for a moment and acknowledge what this team has done. With one home game left, 22 wins. Coach Abe uh, at UCF has 65 wins and 28 losses. Uh, and this is, by the way, the best three-year streak for UCF women's basketball in Division One history. They kind of bounced in between Division One and Division Two in the early 80s under Joe Sanchez when they won 20 games a year back then. Um, when UCF was in the Sunshine State Conference, but since being fully Division One, this has been the best three-year stretch of UCF women's basketball uh, in its Division One history, and it's been thanks to KK and thanks to Coach Abe. So, as we looked out, you know, down the stretch here, you know, we got the American Conference Championships coming up right around the corner to Lane, and then at Houston on Monday for this team. Uh, I mean, it, it, obviously, the the objective is get it done because you know the chance is you know you if if this holds serve you could end up on uh, the opposite end of the bracket as UConn. Is that right, Eric?
2: Yes. If you're the two seed, you will be on the opposite side of UConn, which means you don't have to play them until the final of the American Champion, uh, Conference Championship game, which is significant from a lot of levels, not just on the court, uh, but off the court, because the net championship game will be televised. I think it's on ESPN two. So, Mm -hmm. again, more exposure, which I've written about on Black and Gold know, The the UConn game earlier this year that was on ESPN2 is the most watched UCF women's basketball game in regular season history. So it's great exposure for the program if they can get to that. And and obviously secure a spot for the NCAA tournament. I know it's crazy, but I keep checking Charlie Kareem, who I'm going to try and get within the next couple of weeks. He still has UCF as one of the last four teams in. Uh, so you can't afford, for example, to lose that home game on Saturday. I think that's a big game. I think the Houston loss, Houston's not a bad loss on the road if they were to lose that. But if you lose again at, at home to Tulane, that could be a little nerve-wracking or if you were to get upset in the conference tournament. So I still think there's work to be done here uh, to really make you you can be comfortable watching the Monday selection show uh, in, a, in a few weeks. You don't want to be kind of nervous about it. You want to enjoy it and the way this team is playing if they can take care of business on senior day and then take care of houston i think they'll be in the ncaa tournament first time ever for an at large so i think right. there's a lot to play for and i think kk's a what a year and what a career i mean you mentioned all the things she's done in the points. i think she's now moved into the top three or top four and assists all time as well um you know she's got a chance jeff uh you know she's got one more year left to play herself into the maybe the conversation of being the greatest women's basketball player of all time if she keeps playing at this high level um and certainly to get that national award anything you anytime you have ann Myers' name li- in it that's a huge deal yeah and so congrats to her and congrats to megan the sid who obviously was in softball when shelby turnier was a top 10 player of the year finalist i think uh i think vera Veris was a a national award winner as well. So that's a a pretty good trifecta to have, Uh, but very excited for her and good for the program exposure to get that acknowledgement. And I think she's got a chance KK maybe somehow sneak into an all American team. Maybe if not this year, maybe have enough hype going into next year to possibly be an all American, which has never happened. Right. Women's basketball, at least in division one.
0: Yeah. I don't think we've had a division one, all American uh, at least. And I, I have said it before and I will say it again. Due respect to Nafisa Collier Uh-oh. and Katie Lou Samuelson at UConn, but Uh-oh. if you're going to ask me who is the most valuable player to their team uh, in the American, it's KK Wright, hands down. <laughs> I'm I'm telling you right now, she is. She if you take KK off of UCF, I don't know what happens. If you take Katie Lou or Nafisa Collier off of UConn, they have you know some of the best players in the country right behind him. All right? It, again, nothing not casting aspersions on them. They're excellent players in their own right. All Americans, Olympians, you name it. But KK Wright is the most valuable player in For the All your
2: UConn fans that's Jeff Sharon there, please tweet send your Jeff hate Sharon. mail don't my way. My I got or me. Don't.
0: I listen, I will I will gladly accept your hate mail. I don't care. I'm st- that's my that's my take and I'm sticking to it. Uh, you see, I will say, uh, can
1: I? I will, I will actually chime in here and say I tried to pose that question to Coach uh, Coach
0: Abe. She wanted no of part of it, and she did not want <laughs> that question at all. Well, to be to be fair, to be fair, that was before the UConn game. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, she did. Yes. <laughs> well, we Way saw go, that. Yeah, good work, Murph. But, <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, also look what happened in that game. Katie Lou was 0-5 from the field, and KK Wright, you know, had a. Pretty doggone good game against UConn. All things considered, Um, but yeah, I mean that's look. That's the position that that that's my that's my position. That's my hot take, and I'm sticking to it.
2: I mean, you do realize you're not going to win that, right? You do know that you. I don't care. Holly, going to win. All right, I'm just saying. I do think what's realistic here. (laughs) I'm going to go in a different direction. Coach Abe should better win Coach of the Year this year. Like she hasn't won it, uh, I believe, since she's been here. Despite the fact she's turned a program that was at the bottom of the league into now a NCAA tournament program, uh, you just threw out the numbers. She better win Coach of the Year this year. That's all I'm saying. She'd get
0: my vote if I had one. I mean, that's, that's. I don't think you'd get any argument from me. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the um, the Michael Jordan MVP Wait, argument. Would be you the know? First
2: to, and Gino would agree with us, by the yeah. way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like the Michael Jordan MVP argument, you know, when they would say, like, well, Carl Malone won the MVP that one year. And he was like, well, I'd like to thank Michael for letting me borrow it one year. But I mean, w- but I agree with you that, you know, what Coach Abe has done uh, with this team, with UCF this year, I think has been just a, Rem- a
2: remarkable. Rem- UCF was picked, I want to say, fourth in the preseason. It wasn't like, oh, this was expected. Yeah. All right. So uh, I think she should win Coach Year, And I think that's how UCF will get acknowledged. I think KK will be first team all conference. But I'm not – unfortunately, Jeffrey, I don't think she will win Player of the Year despite your campaign. But she – I'm sure – but they're very – I'm sure they I'm, appreciate your campaign.
0: I, I'm I'm gladly holding my flag on K.K. Wright Island uh, for, for Player of the Year in the conference for her. Um, chances to get uh, to 25 wins, I think that's the magic number for UCF women's basketball. If you can get to 25 wins, you know, that that will get you I, – I think that should get you at that at-large bit. Of course, if they, if they beat UConn in the final, hey – you never know, or if UConn gets knocked off in the final somehow, and you have to play someone else. Who knows? You can never really predict the future. I think. All right, um, let's talk a little baseball before we take a break here, because uh, again, you want to talk about a busy day, Wednesday, while we were all following the the men's basketball game up in Gainesville. UCF was playing number three Florida, and in a wild game, UCF gets the victory twelve to nine over the Gators. Um, what an evening it was for a couple guys, actually. Tyler Rosick was 3-for-5 at the plate. Um, uh, in addition, uh, Brandon Hernandez uh, had a 3-for-4 day, scored three times, uh, and uh, UCF got the victory. It was a little tight down there toward the end. You know, Florida had scored one in the bottom of the ninth. They had the bases loaded, um, but uh, UCF ends up getting the win. Jeffrey Hackinson... Pitched the final two and two thirds to uh, clinch it. Struck out four. Um, as UCF went uh, pitching staff by committee, Jalen White had got the start, but only through one inning. Um, Jackson Clare came in through it, threw a couple innings. Um, we saw just about everybody. Garrett Westberg ended up getting tagged with the win through one and a third, gave up one hit. But uh, man, this was uh, this is a huge win for UCF baseball off the start uh, against the number three team in the country in their place. At McKeithen Stadium, um, Murph, you were following it. You had one eye on that, one eye on the basketball game um, <laughs> it, 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 yes. that you were at. You know, as we all did. I mean, it was. I had, yeah, uh, I, I had a
1: decision. I had a decision to make yesterday. Do I go north up I seventy five or south down
2: I four?
0: Yeah. I, I, well, there's the yeah. Well, I mean, there's at well, one point there's this intersection, it, right? But go ahead, what's, what's,
2: what's great about it is the baseball game started an hour earlier and yet finished all basically an hour later, right? Than yeah. the basketball. Game. Yeah. So you saved yourself time, Murph, by your decision to go to Tampa. Thank you.
0: Yeah, Thank shorter you, drive anyway. I think too, but uh, that wasn't the only story that came out from uh, came out from UCF and Florida, Mur, uh, Murph. You've got a story up right now on the site. Um, about the future of the UCF Florida baseball series being in limbo, according to um, Greg, uh, according to Greg Lovelady. Uh, it's if we'll
2: play the audio in a minute.
0: Yeah, which we will. But uh, okay, what's going on here now? These two teams, who, by the way, we've been, we've been treated to some great baseball between these two teams for uh, for years now, and now, obviously, we know what the narrative is going to be. Oh Florida is getting ready to duck UCF again this time in a different sport. What's what's the deal with this now?
1: Yeah, you know, you know, UCF has has got matchups scheduled ahead for future years with Florida State, Miami, uh, you know, Stetson and whatever, but they do they actually do not have Florida on their schedule again uh for the foreseeable future. there have been a little discussions about uh, you know when they're going to play next, but really it comes down to according to Coach Love, lady. So again, consider your source. I have no idea what uh, the 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 Gators are demanding, but according to Coach Love, he's saying that they really just don't want to play in Orlando much. The the Gators. I know this is a novel idea for UCF fans, but the Gators don't want to come and play at UCF. Shocker. Uh, I, again, I'm having these weird flashbacks. I I, I said I, you know when he said that. He said you know it doesn't seem like they're too interested in coming here much i didn't know if that was like josh heupel or danny white or greg lovelay it just it was like
0: or sam I ungers or, some- all around.
1: or sam <laughs> Unger. uh good 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 way to get in the good way to get in the sponsor right uh, yeah solid job um so yeah i mean and i, I feel like you know i, I don't again love said uh before the game or actually on tuesday that he would talk about this with uh gators manager kevin o'sullivan uh, I don't know uh, what those discussions were like. I will ask him today. I'm going to head out to practice in a couple hours here and, and see uh, if any headway has been made. But I, I have to imagine, uh, given the uncertainty of this series uh, and the fact that UCF has won the last four now, that this one in particular had to feel especially sweet, um, knowing that the, that this one uh, could be the last one for a while.
0: Yeah, we'll play you up in your place and beat you there too. Um, yeah, I, it's the narratives just kind of write themselves at this point. For this, Let's go go ahead and play that audio from Greg Lovelady right here.
3: Um, It seems as though that they're not too interested in playing here very much. Um, So I think on our end, I mean, um, it puts, in my mind, it puts the series in in limbo. Like, um, I'm not really interested um, in playing, with being so close and stuff, I'm not really interested in playing. Never at our place. Um, I'm not... I am interested in anything that they want to propose, but I'm definitely not interested in never playing here again or not, you know, playing here once every five or ten years. Like, I'm not into that. So we really haven't got into too much discussions past this year. Um, So that's something that Sully and I will talk about prior to the game tomorrow during BP or, um, you know, sometime on the phone or whatnot. But, uh, you know, I think the success we've had and the things that we've done and and whatnot, and, and I think we deserve them play here I think it's good for both of us to be able to um, to do that And again I'm, I'm not saying I'm not married to home and home with them um, but I'm definitely not married in a never playing here um, I'm not interested so um, I think our program's done enough to deserve the respect that uh, we deserve and, uh, if we're not going to get that then you know it's not going to be a one-way street. So. I mean, obviously, Florida State will have a new head coach. So we hope that they keep with what's going on. But they're supposed to play here twice next year. And Miami is supposed to be here next year. So um, so we'll be a, a good schedule next year. I mean, we'll be on the road at Auburn. But um, we'll have those, those three games at least here. And we'd love to have Florida play here, do and Play them twice. I mean, I'd love to play them twice every year. In my mind, I'd love to play home with them every year. It's close. It's easy. Um, you know, to play it helps both our RPIs. You know, it's a good challenge, um, and uh, so obviously they they draw well. So from that standpoint, it makes sense for us. So, uh, but you know, it's good to have. You're getting you know at least all those teams in here, if not every year, every other year. And um, so hopefully we'll continue that with everybody. Uh, we'd love to have Florida continue that as well.
0: All right, that was uh, Head Coach Greg lovely talking about the uncertainty surrounding the uh, series between these. Two teams, which I, I get I, I I actually do get like the football angle, but for baseball, with this many games on the schedule, how, how close these teams are geographically, how good the matchups have become, how good both teams are on the diamond, both in the past and in the present. I I don't I, I this one is the one I really don't get, Eric.
2: Well, I mean, this is a story, and credit to Brandon Helwig, UCFSports.com. Um,
1: Absolutely.
2: He asked the questions, right, Murph? It was you and and Brandon yeah. uh, that were there talking to Greg and Greg. And Greg, and that is why I love Greg, is his honesty. He will not sugarcoat it, right? You get him a yeah. question, he'll just give you the, the – the, he will not sugarcoat it. Um, this goes back to last year. There was speculation last year that – and basically Florida doesn't want to play road games against UCFs and the USFs and the Jacksonvilles basically, they want to have them all come to Gainesville basically that's it, that's, their, that's what they're trying to push um, they're not the only SEC school by the way that's trying to do this LSU's trying to do the same thing ironically in Louisiana uh, on this and UCF and I agree 100% with everything Greg said there UCF should not do it, there's plenty of quality games that they can replace Florida with and I think I'm calling out the media now the the local media and the state media that pampers to this Florida department and calls them out because Florida doesn't play anybody in football they don't play anybody in men's basketball. look at the state. The only team they play in the state you'll get the Florida basketball schedule over the years is is basically Florida State because they have to they don't play Miami they don't play UCF they don't play usF they don't now they don't want to play anybody in baseball it, it's just enough is enough like. This, the sports is about competition, not about hey, we want to do this on our terms. And who the hell is Florida to, anyway to talk? They are they're the big they're the state of the university. They're this big university state that's underachieved. They haven't done anything in football until Steve Spurrier got there. And their arrogance is just idiotic. I think it hurts college athletics in the state. And I think the media pampers too much to them. And they need to be called out on this. I want somebody to call out. Go to Steve Spurrier instead of. Well, we would, except he's practicing in Georgia. But call out to Steve Spurrier, <laughs> and someone's asked Steve, hey, Steve, how come your alma mater doesn't want to play anybody? <laughs> I want this to see him
0: his I hope you had popcorn for that and rant, way, man. Holy smokes. And
2: by the way, <laughs> in fairness, it's not everybody at Florida. Tim Walton at softball, they still play everybody in the state. Uh, they compete, as we'll get into in the next segment. Florida tennis came down to play UCF, so it's not everybody at Florida. But I just called out the football program, men's basketball, baseball, and I'll throw women's basketball if you want. They don't play anybody in the state either. That is that a? I mean, and I don't know if it's necessarily the coaches are calling, making the calling the shots here, or if it's Scott Strickland or up in the administration. But it's it's ridiculous. It's absurd. And I would call if I was a team in the in the state, I would give the finger to Florida and say, you know what? You go find, you go ahead and play somebody else. We're not, no one's gonna play you. If you if you're gonna act that way, that's what I would do. If I was everybody in the state, I would get together and basically give Florida the finger and say, "Good luck sp- filling out your schedule." That's what I would do.
0: Boy, this is gonna go over great on the message board. <laughs> this is I amazing. mean, I'm just tired of it. I mean,
2: how many, It's just I, well, a I get they're they're, I, taking, they're taking
0: they're taking. Well, I, I was about to say, you know, they're taking the Syracuse route, but they're not even doing right. that. Like, uh, like like Syracuse will play. The, the joke about Syracuse basketball is they don't leave the state of New York until, until after the new year. But with that respect, they actually will go, like, elsewhere. They'll play at Madison Square Garden. They'll play, uh, you know, occasionally they've gone out to, you know, the, the Maui Invitational or some of those other places. But, like, like, but Florida's like, we won't even go to your place in the state of Florida. You come here. And For a midweek game,
2: for a freaking midweek game, and by the way, forget the UCF side of things. What about the Florida alums that live in Orlando? You're screwing see, them. See, that's
0: yes, that okay. That's where I I do agree with you. Is they are hurting their the they're they're hurting their own fan base in the largest metropolitan area closest to Gainesville by doing that, and. I don't know why you want to screw your own fans like that I, 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 it, it, that's that's part of the thing that that baffles me about that is you know it, this is an opportunity you know not everyone can get up to Gainesville to catch those games. not everyone wants to travel all that way, and I get it. but why would you want to do that to some of your own fans that are here? And I get, Orlando, you know, you, yeah, I know you're I not, mean, yeah, you're not getting the gate, but whatever you, you're getting the tremendous gate at baseball anyway, throughout the entire season.
2: I, it's just, it's mind boggling. And and by the way, whatever happened to a competition, going to UCF on a road on a Wednesday, you throw a freshman out there to see what he can do. That's how you learn. You're not going to learn anything playing at home against fam. You like, get out of here. that's nonsense. And <laughs> you know, we've talked about, college basketball and the la- you know the attendance issues if you will with UCF basketball i think one of the things that's hurt UCF is nobody in the state plays each other non-conference in the state because florida doesn't want to play UCF the last time they played i think was what uh, the amway center maybe in 2010 maybe they played yeah, in it was Jackson, you know. i think it was the amway center I mean, game where
0: UCF it, beat them too
2: right correct <laughs> i was there yeah it was a great and that was a great moment and that helped UCF uh, gain interest in college basketball but it also helped the city of Orlando be interested hey we got UCF in Florida it created interest for the state and we don't have that Leonard Hamilton I'll throw Florida State in there they don't play too many teams in the state either and I think that hurts college basketball interest in the state I think when you have in-state teams play that matters when UCF's hosting Florida State in softball this week, and that's important that's going to get casual people to watch the product and we don't have that and by Trying to eliminate uh by coming not coming to Orlando, screwing your alumni base if you're Florida. You're also screwing the sport and competition. It's just terrible. It's a joke and they need to be called out by this, but the media is too soft and they just want to kiss up the Florida. And certainly the Gainesville media, God forbid they actually ask a hard question once in a while. You know, they they they're they're scared to death to ask a question over there, so they're not gonna do it. But yeah, you know, it's just unfortunate.
0: Murph, you got anything after that? No, I'm I'm I've got third degree burns. <laughs>
1: Uh, All right. Just sports. Not
2: everybody in Florida. I I got a lot of friends there. And and it's not every sport. Like I said, softball plays everybody. There are a lot of other sports. And and you're right, Jeff, real quick. I think football, it's a little more complicated. So I I, I understand that. But baseball, there's 56 freaking games. To not be able to fit a road trip, one game, one road trip, and it doesn't even have to be every year. It could be every other year. Is absolutely a joke.
0: Joke. (laughs) By the way, late breaking news, which we'll leave you with here. The uh, all right, so you know that Florida Miami game that was uh, slated to be at the, in terms of football, as we're now yeah. at, at, at uh, Camping World Stadium to kick off next year. Well, uh, the Orlando Sentinel is reporting that they might move that game a week earlier to August twenty fourth. So.
2: That's very significant. That does impact UCF because UCF's opener against FAMU is still up in the air on the 29th or the 31st. That's what they say. Mm -hmm. I do believe, and they'll deny this, but I've talked to people at ESPN. I think part of this is everybody's waiting to see if the Florida-Miami game gets moved. I was told about this a few weeks ago, uh, and I think that if that Florida-Miami game gets moved, that allows UCF to have the freedom that that game either would be played on Saturday without uh, head-to-head competition or if they choose to move that game to Thursday night because TV wants to put it on ESPNU, they can do that. But it gives them the freedom to do that instead of worrying about direct head-to-head competition with that Florida Miami game. So that is significant.
0: There you go. All right. Well, after that, all right. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to let we're going to go let Murph go back to bed and uh, mm. and rest up after the long night that he had up last night. Houston. Hello. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's got to rest up for Houston. He's got a road trip coming up. Coming up next, uh, we will talk about some softball we will talk some women's tennis uh, who by the way you know they beat Florida too maybe Florida will stop playing them too. And uh, and some other things going on at UCF as well. Stick around; the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is back after this. The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by Orlando Homes Express, brokered by EXP Realty. Sam Unger and his team at Orlando Homes Express proudly serve Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties, specializing in buying, selling, and new construction. Sam is a very proud UCF graduate, class of 2006, and he's got a special deal going on right now for the twenty. 20- 18 UCF football season night fans in honor of UCF's 25 game win streak Sam is running a special for the whole month of December if you use him as your realtor to buy or sell your home you'll receive up to $2,500 at closing so if you're ready to buy a new home or sell your current home upgrade or downsize Sam and his team have you covered so you can find the right home at the right price in the right location so give them a call right now at 407-790-9957. Again, that's 407-790-9957. Or visit them on the web at we sellorlando.net. Again, that's we sellorlando.net. You can also reach them on Facebook at Facebook.com slash We Sell Orlando. Get in touch with the Orlando Homes Express today and make finding your dream home a reality.
2: Eric Lopez here. And when you're not listening to me on the Black and Gold Bannerhead podcast yelling at Jeff Sharon or talking baseball with Brian Murphy, you can actually listen to me on another podcast with a fellow UCF alum, a lot smarter, Victor Anderson and I. We host In the Circle on Fast Pitch News twice a week, Mondays and Thursdays. We cover all the world of softball. So if you're UCFA, we talk UCF, we talk... How Coach Gillespie's going to do at Iowa? He talked the, all the topics in college softball, pro softball, and international softball. So give us a follow on In the Circle SB on Twitter and on Facebook. It's in the circle on Fast Pitch News twice a week on the podcast. Check us out there. Back now to the Black and Gold Banneret. All right, welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret
0: podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, with you as we have let Brian Murphy go back to sleep. Uh, after the late night he had (laughs) last night. Um, Well-deserved rest, by the way. Uh, All right, so this is, like I said, this has been like the most nuts week um, that we've had in uh, quite a while. With this segment, we're going to talk some women's hoops. We're going to talk some softball. But I want to start with uh, UCF Women's Tennis. Um, Now, we've been following them along the last few years under Brian Canico, but I think that um, their victory over Florida, number forty-eight Florida. Granted, they're ranked ahead of Florida, but on the stage that they did on on Sunday, it's USTA College Match Day um, at the Collegiate Tennis Center on the Tennis Channel, um, national TV. They come back, they beat Florida four to three, and uh, yeah, I mean, not just it, obviously, it's not just a critical win for them in terms of the overall, you know course of the season. UCF's ranked number 30, Florida's ranked number 48. But in the fashion that they did it with the national television attention, there's a little spike in uh in, in 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 keeping an eye on that amongst the UCF fan base because it was on Sunday night, right? And, yep. and 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 they were able to clinch this match with everyone kind of sitting up and watching on cable TV. Nandini Sharma knocked off Anastasia uh, forgive me, Currytenoff, yep. and in three sets at seven five in the third, and UCF gets the gets the four three w, and uh, it, I mean I mean, huge 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 day or evening rather for UCF women's tennis. I guess uh, you know I know Eric they're ranked ahead of Florida, but I mean, could you call this a signature win for them under Brian Kaneko?
2: Yes, uh, and I think you kind of broke down why i think it's not necessarily the biggest win on the court they've had big matches heck they won a first round match in the ncaa tournament last year for the first time in like you know program Mm -hmm. history and all that stuff but this was such a win for the casual fit because i mean i remember i watched the match i knew the match obviously i'm a tennis nut so i knew they were playing on the tennis channel the tennis channel has recently reached an agreement with the USTA National Center right there at Lake Nona, so they do a—they're lo- going to do a lot of coverage from there, not only for college tennis but for like the ATP and things like that from there. So they—they uh, they carried the UCF Florida match, which is a big top twenty-five matchup, and it was at five o'clock. It was a slow day in television sports because it was an Oscars night, Murph's favorite, <laughs> um, and I remember—and I remember I'm watching the match and. You know, Florida won the doubles point, and for those that don't know, that's a huge thing, the, the way that's the form, I and you can explain this, Jeff. You've covered it. You play the doubles match, you get a right. the point.
0: And there's three, and and there's three six, doubles matches, and it's like best of yeah. three. So whichever, whichever team wins the best of the, the, the three, two out of three doubles or all three doubles, they get one point. And then you go to singles, and each match for singles is worth three, or excuse
2: me, is worth and one. Correct, and if you win doubles, that's a huge leg up because usually when you have two evenly matched teams, they split the singles, and it comes yeah. down to doubles point, the difference and all that. And Florida won the doubles, and then they're winning four of the six singles matches at one point. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, oh, this is unfortunate. This is not going to end well. Uh, but UCF, the players kept come. They came back. They were making a comeback. They pulled within 3-3. It comes down to a match between two freshman players. Yeah. And I remember you were tweeting about I don't know, you were watching rugby on CBS Sports Network for some reason. I, I, you know what, I, I, was know watching,
0: I was watching something else and like the rugby happened to be on it. I was watching, actually, you know what I was doing? I was watching the Alliance and, uh, and then rugby came on after that. And I was doing something I just never bothered to change the channel. And then all of a sudden I see, you know, hey, get to tennis channel, UCF and UF. And I'm like, all right, let me flip that over. And I got over just in time.
2: You did, and and other people, they like Sam Unger, who obviously is a friend of our show, and uh, I don't know, I don't think he's a big tennis guy, but he's a UCF fan, and he tuned in to watch, and it was it was just incredible television. Like, for, you don't have to be a diehard tennis, you don't have to be a tennis fan, uh, to appreciate great drama, like there was in that match where they were, you know, both players were breaking each other, Sharma and the Florida player, the freshman, they were breaking back and forth, and it got late in the third set, and you knew the winner of this match. Was going to win the match not only for themselves but for the team. Yeah, and uh, boy, when then she bro- and then she broke her finally uh, and wins the match seven five in the euphoria and the atmosphere in that place was incredible. That's there were over a thousand people there. Um, you know, I got to tell you, uh, Danny White obviously has done an incredible job as, as an athletic director. He and I think the mainstream media certainly has rightfully so has given him credit for the hires he's done in football and basketball. But I don't think the media, Jeff, has given him any credit for one of the most remarkable stories that I've ever seen in UCF. Forget sports, just UCF in general. What he's done with the tennis program. Mm -hmm. You could speak better because you covered this, uh, the Brian Cashman era and uh, Stephanie Nikitas uh, both as a student and as obviously working at UCF. The transformation of UCF tennis to what it was, to what it is now, where they're playing at the USTA Center and is a national showcase is one of the most remarkable things i've ever seen and i don't think the i got to be honest it's one of the most underreported stories that anybody's covered because i don't think it's just remarkable you just yeah. watching that transform to where they're playing florida at a national showcase in front of thousands of people where back then you know with all due respect to you know everybody before then you know this they were playing on campus in front of, what, 10, twenty. They're playing. People? They were playing
0: on the rec courts next to the rec center, and those yeah. courts, like, you know, I mean, let's face it, they're not exactly... Let's let's put it this way. They are not kept to the standards that the USTA courts are kept to. Um, here's, uh, by the way, here's Brian Canico, uh following the match uh, uh, talking about how big this was for his team.
3: I'm just so happy for them. You know, it just... Uh it's a, it's a big win for our program. It's been a lot of work uh, with our team. You know, Christina, our assistant coach, has done an incredible job of working hard and, uh, you know, helping us push this push them every day. It's, uh, you know, for them, the girls staying in the summer, we've, we asked them to play 11 months of tennis, and they do it. And uh, it's for moments like this.
0: Yeah, I think you're right, and, and this is sort of the... I don't want to say this is the culmination of it, because I think the, trage- the trajectory of both tennis programs, actually, like you mentioned, Eric, is uh, a story that bears following, and you know, we'll update you on, on men's tennis here in a second, but women's tennis right now um, is 9-2. and two, uh, They're 6-0 oh at home, and uh, let's see what they've got coming up. Uh, well, actually, now things are going to start to get a, uh, get a little tight, because... Sunday, they got Yale. Yale's very good um, at home. They've got actually a bunch at home coming up here. Uh, A pretty good stretch of home matches. So if you want to go down there and check them out, they got Tulane on uh, next Friday. Uh, Actually, a doubleheader. Tulane and Miami of Ohio next Friday. Uh, Also coming up on the schedule, Penn, SMU, Wichita, Tulsa, Illinois, before they finally um, leave town at the end of March to play at FIU. We got South Florida on April 13th, and then it's the American Championships on April 18th. So um and we gotta
2: go out there. We're gonna head out there. Yeah. We've been talking about this. It is tremendous, uh, the atmosphere there. Um and I mean this is a national top twenty program in women's tennis. This was a program that hadn't made the NCAA tournament, Jeff, since like two thousand two. A long time. Um and a credit to John Roddick because he's obviously the you know coaches the men's team. But he's the director of tennis. He's the one that made the hire of Brian Koneko. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a—it's just insane. What a story! Uh, what a great business move for UCF to enhance their tennis program, being involved with USTA tennis. The exposure now for the—the the growth of the, there is not a UCF sport. With all due respect, I know everybody's talked about the football growth and interest and all that with the success they've had the two years. But there is not a UCF sport, Jeff, in my opinion, that has exploded and grown and growth. I'm not yeah. talking about popularity just in growth uh from you know than tennis right now the UCF tennis program and that yeah. and Danny White's a big part because he saw the vision of that nobody saw that nobody saw that coming when he hired John Roddick to run the tennis program nobody right. even thought it was was blown away by it. it's and been they, unbelievable
0: now on the men's side in addition to that now they are starting to to pull it in pull it back together they had such a rough start to the season they started uh one and uh, uh, they started 0-4 actually to, to start out but since then um, they've won 3 out of 4 their only loss was at Michigan they won both matches that they played on Sunday at UAB and they also played Samford same day played them double header and swept them both times 4-0 um, they've got a double dip against Bethune-Cookman coming up uh, on Friday this Friday 10am and 2.30pm at home so that, you know, it, it, that could get them back to 500 at 5-5. Five and five. Now, bear in mind, their whole thing is going to be strength of schedule, the men's team, because now coming up, they, we have another college match day on Sunday, March the 3rd for the men. UCF is playing number 29, Miami, at 530.
2: That's also going to be on the tennis channel. Yes,
0: that will be on the tennis channel. So it's worth, Bears, it's worth checking out Sunday at 530, UCF and Miami. Miami's ranked, like I said, number 29 in the country. Then home for Tulane, home for Penn State, home for Wake Forest, home for Virginia, home for Texas Tech, home for South Alabama, Oklahoma State, he Illinois, FAU. He does not duck anyone. No man, I, it's but but like you got to do that, man. It's like if if there was an RPI for men's tennis, John Roddick is like just is is lighting it on fire with this schedule um yeah. their only road match the rest of the way is at south florida on sunday april 14th and they're back home from memphis and then their championships are on the 18th but um it, it, man this this is murderers row i mean it, it, it's but yeah. it, it, but if they do what they're supposed to do they're gonna be right back to where they were in fact maybe a little bit ahead of the pace from last year no
2: Yes, yes, and I think that's the method behind the madness, right, if you will. I'll say it's uh, madness. <laughs> there you go. And then they're peaking at the right time, you hope, uh, from yeah. this standpoint. And, again, not to – this is, again, this is where the, having that USTA center is huge because it's the goldmine right now for college tennis. So every major program wants to play in that facility because people don't realize this. A lot of the pro players in the ATP and the WTA – play there, uh, practice there in the off season. Mm-hmm. Uh, the tennis channel just recently reached an agreement with the USDA center there to carry programming from there. They have a set, they have built a set there. So they actually, and if you watch the women's tennis coverage, they were also covering the Delray beach final from there. That's what they're doing. Cause they used to have a, they have a set in LA where they do a lot of their coverage, uh, cause they remote broadcast. Well, they're going to do remote broadcast from right there in Lake Nona and, it, again, this helps from a scheduling standpoint. Uh, some of those teams you pl- you mentioned, Jeff, there's no way UCF would have ever been able to play them right uh, at home under the old premise at the rec center, but that's what the USTA center has brought to them, and it's allowed them to play a national schedule, which is it's allowed them to give them an opportunity to play for the, na- for the NCAA tournament. It's just a uh, and they're hopefully for their sake they're peaking at the right time. We're going to see what we're going to they got Sunday on the tennis channel, right? Against Miami, it's unbelievable.
0: Huge man, absolutely huge. So uh, keep an eye on uh, UCF tennis as they roll through that schedule. All right, women's hoops. I, I don't want to feel. I don't want anyone to think that I. Um... Oh wait a minute. You know what? I'll save women's hoops for uh, after men's basketball in the first segment because Brian actually got back to me. He's like, I'm up. I'm up. It's everything's okay. Um, so we're going to talk about softball right now. Okay, here we go. Uh, three, two, one. All right, softball, Eric Lopez. You want to talk about a weekend, man. 5-0 and zero for UCF softball, um, beating the likes of Coastal Carolina, Pitt twice, Penn State, and Louisiana Tech. And uh, what a way to do it. Walk off against uh, Coastal Carolina walk-off uh, run rule against Pitt, an ACC team, uh, and, and of course, uh, and, and they get the walk-off win against Penn State as well, um, but the story was Aaliyah White in that Coastal Carolina game on Friday, the early game that they played, in the first of a doubleheader, a no-hitter, the first no-hitter for UCF softball since 2015. Uh, she goes the distance obviously because it's a it was a one to nothing game so it wasn't one of those like you know run rule no hitters that sometimes you see she went the full 7 uh only uh only walked 2 struck out 12 so she was 2 um two walks away from a perfect game um and uh, UCF gets the victory but it, you know i, I mean obviously a historical day um and uh, i believe we have the uh, the the audio call of that from you don't
2: we Yes, we do. It's All a right. way, good, good good choice for me to come back, right? I know. Uh, yeah, what what a heck
0: of a way to come back. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Here's my call, my final call of the uh, final out, where Leah White throws her first career no-hitter with a career-high 12 strikeouts, beating Coastal Carolina. And then my conversation with Leah White after the day of uh, on that Friday, talking about the historic no-hitter, where she joins the likes of Shelby Turnier, Mackenzie Audis, Allison Keim, some of the great 17th no-hitter in UCF softball history. First pitch. Popped up. This could do it. Aubrey Johnson under it. Makes the catch. And Aaliyah White joins the pathion of Allison Kime, Mackenzie Otis, and Shelby Turnier and throws her first career no-hitter. First no-hitter in Knights softball in four years. And the Knights win it. One to nothing, behind Leo White's first career no-hitter and a career-high 12 strikeouts. All right, you just threw your uh, first no-hitter here. you become first no-hitter since McKenzie Otis threw a no-hitter here in 2015. You're the third UCF pitcher to ever throw a no-hitter on this field, and you did it with your career-high 12 strikeouts. Outside of that, how'd you feel?
4: The no-hitter felt great. Um, like I said, Coach Bear and Coach Kinder called some great pitches and knew what to attack with the hitters. And really just trusting my spin and hitting my spots and attacking the batters.
2: When did you know that you had a no-hitter? Did you notice at any point during the game?
4: I did know that I had a no-hitter, but I knew I just had to stick to my routine and go pitch by pitch and spin by spin.
2: Your your stuff looked good, Electra. You're overpowering their hitters. Did you just feel good from the get-go? I mean, was it one of those days? Did you feel it like you had a good good day was coming?
4: Actually, my bullpen was a little interesting. Um, I just kinda was like, I got spin today, coach. Like, there wasn't really anything. Um, I just knew hit my spots, keep it going, and I knew my adrenaline would get me there.
2: Take me through that last out and Aubrey gets the pop-up and you get the no-hitter and the team celebrates with you there.
4: Um, Aubrey's last out was great. I knew she was going to catch it. And just that feeling of coming into them and them all hitting my heads was great. It was a good team win and knowing that they always are there for you, cheering for you.
2: You've heard McKenzie Audis. You know who they are. They're Shelby turning You're now in that list. Allison Kime among pitchers here to throw a no-hitter. I know you, you like to think about the next game, but that, that's got to mean a lot to you that you're now in those in that list.
4: I'm absolutely honored to be in those with them. They're great pitchers, and I just hope that I can follow in their footsteps.
2: There's Leah White. That was a conversation uh, Friday night after her first uh, historic no-hitter. She would go on to win the American Conference Pitcher of the Week. The Because, of course. <laughs> uh, going, right. going 3-0. and And she was tremendous. And you mentioned the Saturday. She started the Penn State game, went eight innings, got the win, which, by the way, moved her into fifth all-time, broke a tie, with someone you covered, Lindsay Enders. Right. Uh, so she's now all by herself in fifth place and wins. And then, right after that, against Pittsburgh, she comes into relief two batters in into the first inning. Uh, Stevenson had some illegal pitches issues there that the umpires were picking on her. And so Leah White had to come in, and she threw seven shutout innings in relief to get the win. Uh, pretty remarkable. Uh, great weekend for her, great weekend for the team. It's the... Best start they've had after 13 games since 2015, which was a magical year, as you know, mm-hmm. when they went 50-9. Uh, first time UCF's gone 5-0 and and in a tournament since 2013. First time they've gone undefeated in a tournament since 2016. So good start for Cindy Ball Malone in the Knights uh, going, but it's going to get interesting this weekend uh, because for the second time in program history, they will be among the teams they'll be hosting in the tournament will be the number one-ranked defending national champion Florida State Seminoles. That will be a Sunday 2.30 game. They'll play Monday at 6 o'clock. They've got Dartmouth, Toledo, and Louisiana Tech in this tournament as well. But obviously the casual fans will be interested in the Noles, and we'll see another challenging weekend to see yeah. how they if they continue the growth of this team right now at 9 and 4.
0: Now, two games against the Noles. The first one is considered part of the tournament on Sunday, right? 2.30 yeah. p.m. Correct. And then they're playing them again on Monday at 6, but that's not part of the tournament.
2: Correct. Two right. game series. Look, it's a great thing for RPI standpoint. Oh opportunity. yeah. Uh it'll be the second time they play the Knowles uh as the number one ranked team. You and I were there two years ago, which was on the day in middle of March, on the day that UCF men's basketball is hosting uh Illinois in the Elite Eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was packed at ten thousand, and we had we still had about a thousand people for that Florida State game. So imagine what we're going to probably draw on Sunday, right? Uh, and then even Monday night, for that matter. It'll also be the second time that UCF has hosting the defending national champions. They hosted Florida in twenty sixteen after Florida won the national title in twenty fifteen. But there's a lot of softball between now and then. They got to take care of Toledo and Dartmouth. Uh, Louisiana Tech was a really good team. They're a front runner for Conference USA. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, Big, big weekend for Coach Ball Malone, but she's pleased with the progress uh, that this team has made so far.
0: Yeah, don't forget also, I think you mentioned also that Boston College game, also that following Wednesday, another ACC opponent uh, as they head through the week. So this is another big week for UCF, you know, coming off of that performance. you know, And you knock off Pitt twice as well, like you mentioned. uh, ACC opponent, knock off a Big Ten opponent, Penn State. Um, yeah this is going to be a pretty solid uh, another pretty solid weekend for uh, ucF softball quick update on their record nine and four right now seven and two at home so um solid solid performance over the weekend from uh, ucF uh, softball all right so as we uh, wrap things up here uh at UC- uh, on the black and gold banner at podcast we've got um, well, I got a bunch of stuff actually coming up as the, as the equinox continues here. Um, yeah. I will be at the uh, women's basketball game on Saturday. Saturday? No, what am I saying?
2: Yeah, that sounds right. No, yeah, s- y- Saturday.
0: S- yeah. Sa- oh, yeah. That's yeah. That's right. Saturday, two p.m. Um, senior day against Tulane. Day. We, we get to we have to say goodbye to Niaela Schuler and uh, and uh, Tolo Makore, and I'm just not emotionally prepared for that. Um, 2 p.m. for that game, which we'll be watching. Um, and chance for UCF to get to uh, well, if they win these last two games, like we said against, uh, like we said earlier against Tulane and Houston, that's 24 wins heading into the conference tournament. So um, that's a pretty solid, uh, solid resume builder right there. And I got some other football stuff. Kind of, Eric, I've done, I've uh, uh, I've taken a look at the roster. I wanted to see uh, the football roster and see. Like what the recruiting situation looks like with the, the number of players at each position, uh, breaking breaking that down by class, and I'm also uh, trying. I'm also basically burying myself in uh, a look back at all the previous recruiting classes. I know how excited you are about that, and trying oh, to boy. reevaluate all those and <laughs> update the old spreadsheet. We got a lot coming. What do you got coming up this weekend?
2: Well, I got a lot. I'll be obviously calling softball weekend long, the UCF Invitational. Friday, UCF plays Dartmouth and Toledo, 5 and 7.30 on Friday. Saturday at 5.30 against La Tech. Florida State, the big one on Sunday and Monday, as, as, as Jeff mentioned. 2.30 on Sunday, 6 o'clock on Monday night, softball. And then you got BC on Wednesday. And uh, certainly thanks to everybody, by the way, that's reached out. Uh, yeah. So, you know, listening to the softball broadcast. A lot of, you know, fans, uh, yes, it's always good to be back. Uh, fun to see this cover the sport. I'm going to try and sneak out to that women's game. Actually, uh, at the in the meantime, we're also going to have a lot of extensive coverage. Uh, Brian Murphy, who's sleeping right now is going back to sleep. But the reason <laughs> is he's got he's going to Houston. Uh, it will be part of covering college game day Saturday in Houston. Big one, UCF and Houston men's basketball at 4 o'clock. We'll have extensive coverage there. We currently have up the TV rating numbers for UCF men's basketball this mm-hmm. year. We have the details of why game day is in Houston. That's up on com. We'll have numbers, I'm sure, next week on the on the site. And what I anticipate, Jeff, has a chance to be perhaps the most watched UCF basketball game in the regular season of program history against Houston with a 4 o'clock slot on Saturday with Reese Davis, Jay Billis in, in town uh, calling the game. So this is a big, big moment yeah. for the basketball program and for the university there. So we'll be covering that is extensively uh, as well. So I'll be working on those things. Plus, uh, working on trying to get an exclusive one-on-one with former UCF soccer great Alini Reyes, who's actually in the States as we speak. Part of that she uh, she cup tournament. There's an exhibition tournament that uh, that's in, played international yeah. soccer. The she literally. believes
0: tournament. That's what Thank it's you. called. Yes, Thank
2: you. the she believe tournament. Um, and she's part of the Brazilian national team. They play the United States next week in Tampa, actually. Uh, and so I'm hoping to get a uh, one-on-one with her in written, perhaps, and as well as on the podcast next week. Yeah. For, uh, to talk about how things are going. It's a big year for Alini. She's playing professionally in Brazil. In a Brazilian league. Uh, they're playing, uh, and she's part of the Brazilian national team. The Women's World Cup takes place this summer in France. And yeah. she's going to be a part of that. Uh, to Mike, we'll be the second women's soccer player joining Michelle Akers uh, to be in the Women's World Cup. Uh, So big landmark moment for UCF soccer history here. Uh, And Alina Reyes was in the Olympics two years ago. So we'll hopefully talk all about that. Uh, Hopefully I get a chance to uh, get her uh, in between her hectic schedule. So it should be fun.
0: Yeah, I know. It should be fun. I I loved covering Alina when she was at UCF. She was always such a great interview and so gracious and um, always fun to talk to. So I'm really looking forward to that as well. All right. Let's wrap this thing up. For Eric Lopez and a sleeping Brian Murphy, I'm Jeff Sharon. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you follow us at UCF underscore banner at com, where we are SB Nation's home for UCF sports. Also, don't forget to follow us individually at spokes underscore Murphy, Jeff underscore Sharon, and Eric lopez Gilo. For Brian and Eric, I'm Jeff. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. We'll catch you next week.